Welcome to the Intersection of Faith and Culture, a PCM podcast where we talk about how to maneuver through today's hot topics while maintaining a grasp on our testimony and relationship with God. So on this edition, this episode of the Intersection of Faith and Culture, I'm Ted and Katie's right here still uh, uh, communicating via Zoom and technology. Um, We're going to do something a little different because Katie has no idea what the topic is today. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to surprise her off off right now because uh, I want to kind of feel Katie is an incredible teacher and uh, uh, and she can put her thoughts together and things. But I want to find out from her heart exactly where she is on this issue here. Are you ready for this, oh, Katie? Boy. <laughs> here we go. All right, here we go. <laughs> So again, the intersection of faith and culture is all about those things that we face in life uh, as believers, as people of faith, um, that sometimes are tough to handle, tough to discuss, tough to decide. We can go against the culture, we can go with the culture, and then our Christian brothers and sisters are looking at us down uh, and all of that. So here's the title that I've given to this month's uh, podcast, Katie. As a youth pastor, I always had to bite my tongue concerning alcohol. And here's why. I was a youth pastor for 24 plus years, and I taught every year from time to time. You teach on, you know, drugs and alcohol and all that kind of stuff and things. Um, And I always felt like I was teaching the students one thing, but in my heart, to an extent, I was believing something else that I felt like I couldn't Mm -hmm. share with them. Um, For example, I was always taught as a Baptist, I grew up Southern Baptist, that drinking was wrong. You, you don't drink. I, I'll, we'll go over some scriptures today uh, that talk about that. Um, do most? It, what's your opinion, Katie? Do you think most Christians drink? When I say drink, alcohol, wine, beer, that kind of stuff. Um, that's a really good question. I it makes me want to say, well, Ted, I don't know how you define Christian. Hey, <laughs> 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 we could start there. <laughs> Church-going, average, stereotypical uh, believer here in the oh, South yeah. or in this area. Yeah. Do oh, most do. Yeah. Christians drink? Yeah. But they won't tell you that. You ever thought about that? I mean, uh, growing up, my church, my church now, growing mm-hmm. up, as a child, I, I don't know, but I would assume, my assumption would be that most of the people growing up in my church, the adults did not drink. However, mm-hmm. as I've gotten older and some of the churches that I've served in this area here, I would say that a large percentage are social drinkers. They'll have a glass of wine here. I'm not saying that they're you know full blown alcoholics, um, but they will drink casually or earn those. Th- and and somebody said the other day, one of my coworkers said, "Ted, the majority of Christians drink. You know that." And I'm like, I, I would assume that's probably true. What do you think? How would you respond to oh. that? Um, yeah, I would assume that's true. Um, I didn't, I guess I'm coming from a different background because I didn't know it thing. Really? So you're, yeah, you're like, you didn't know. This is kind of shocking. That. Yeah. Yeah. So again, <laughs> may, maybe it's just, and, and I didn't grow up Amish or anything like that, you know, but, um, yeah. but yeah, it was always, I was always taught that, that drinking and things were wrong. In fact, I don't know if you've probably heard the joke, but what's the difference between Catholics, Episcopalian and Baptist? Catholics don't recognize divorce, Episcopalians don't recognize the Pope, and Baptists don't recognize each other in the liquor store. 
You know, that's what oh, uh, that's it was, funny. you know, or what's the well, difference? Well, so, here? I mean, I, I was born into a Catholic family. Yeah. And okay. We're Irish and Italian. And so when we moved to the Middle East, I, I thought that um, Irish people and alcohol was just a stereotype. Like, I, I don't drink to excess. And so, um, but I was shocked. Like, the only people who owned bars in Dubai were the Irish. So okay. that's just kind of like my people. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and again, that we're going to go there too here in a little bit. Culturally, the vast mm-hmm. majority of the world, it, mm-hmm. it, there's, it's no big deal. It's just part of the drink. Sweet tea here in the South, wine in you know in Europe is what it is. Oh, well, oh so this this is interesting. So where I did see um, a relevancy is like, um, and I don't want to get people in trouble, but um, people from a certain religious background that is not Christian, that when they're with certain people, they'll totally drink. But then when they're around people who, um, I don't know, that they're trying to look good in front of, sure. then they'll, they'll say, I don't drink, I don't drink. And we, we saw a lot of that when we worked with a different culture. And so we saw that all the time. And so when you said that, Ted, like my husband has often said, oh, my background, very, very, very religious. Like there are certain rules below and that's culture that we were working with too they're very strict rules but then you get away from that and they're like about that yeah yeah well you know again i know tons of people personally that would sit here and say that uh you know drinking alcohol for a christian is not right you shouldn't do that and and that's what we want to jump into today you know and one of the arguments for is jesus drank you know, um, my 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 wife and three kids, they choose, they're adults. Uh, they they choose to drink socially. Um, you know, obviously, my wife is an adult, but my three kids are now of the age. My youngest is 24. And uh, and so they all choose. But yet, even though everybody, almost everybody in my family, my brothers, my my mom and everybody, even though they drink, I choose to abstain. I, I don't. I don't drink. I don't drink mm-hmm. socially. I don't have a glass of wine or a beer or anything like that. Why? That's what we're going to talk about here in a little bit, mm-hmm. because it's not because I feel like it's a sin. That's not why I choose not to drink. So for you and your family, Katie, where mm-hmm. do you all stand on on alcohol? Is it sure it's welcomed in our home or we you know, what, whatever? What? How would you feel about that? We're really weird because um, we, you know, we worked with this other culture and we had these people from another culture who came to America to learn English. And in their culture, it's like we thought to drink. And so like we didn't drink for you. Also don't eat pork. So we wouldn't eat pork. Yeah. We never had like for years we didn't have bacon. I thought I was going to die. But um, <laughs> we'd have it when we but but like we did that because if they asked us, did you do you drink? Like that would have ruined our Christian witness to them. Right. And so that's why we did that. Very intentional. And so like, you know, if family came over, they know they knew don't bring the alcohol, like any alcohol to our house. But now that we don't have anybody from that background living with us, like, I'm like, sure. If you want to come over and bring a bottle of wine, sure. Like I try not to have a bunch of bottles of wine around, but <laughs> why, why <laughs> but, would you, you choose know, not to do that? Honestly, yeah. it's because I don't want to be tempted to drink too much. Okay. 
Okay. Honestly. It's kind of like having too many M&Ms in the house or something like that. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. I don't keep Cheetos in the house because I cannot resist. Cheetos. Cheetos are your thing. Cheetos. Okay. (laughs) They they make your fingers too messy. I I don't like Cheetos either for that very reason. I don't mind. Hey, J Radio is a way that you can download podcasts like this that we have here at the Intersection of Faith and Culture, or there's the Work Tech Fun podcast and a number of other ones that are available, but also Playlist. Let's say that you want to go run or you want to go work out you don't want to worry about a slow song dragging you down you can download a workout playlist that's available at j radio check it out jradio.com all right back to the talk here katie on uh, on alcohol and perceptions of alcohol i'm shocked that you that you didn't re- you didn't think that uh, or or it's kind of foreign to you that people christians would have a problem with alcohol i i guess i'm not really immersed in this particular or culture, right? Yeah. This, uh, that Christianity varies from region to another. Um, I was shocked when I found out like a friend of mine from San Diego had relatives who live near Lee university. And mm-hmm. I really had no idea the impact that Lee university has had. And, um, you know, I was so excited, you know, telling her about different things I was working on here. And she's like, Oh yeah, my, my aunt and uncle actually heard you on the radio. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I felt like there were everywhere. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, that happened, but I didn't. Okay. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think there's something really unique about, you know, this part of East Tennessee, North, North Georgia. Um, and I love it. I think it's great. And I wouldn't want to change it. When would you say that drinking alcohol is wrong? Ooh. Um, for me, I only drink at home. I only drink right before bed. I don't drink with other people. Um, I am a lightweight, so I have observed that, <laughs> that if I have anything more than a sip, I am, uh, you know, I think the first thing that goes when you're tired is judgment. Mm-hmm. And I would say the same, that's true for alcohol as well. So um, you know, I just, I don't drink with other people. So if like, you have to observe, like, how does it affect you? Who's around you? How does it affect them? You know, um, shared with me the other day, he's like, I don't like the smell of wine, mom. It really bothers me. I'm like, Oh, would you prefer I didn't have a glass of wine around you? And he's like, no, that's fine. But I thought, wow. Like, you just never know where somebody's at. Now, in the yeah. same way, like I, you know, my godmother, she drinks a glass of wine every time I see her. And I'm, I don't want to make her feel weird about that. So it, it, for me, it goes back to like, how am I loving the people around me? And, you know, I'm always growing in my awareness and um, I've got, still got a long way to go. So just trying to be mindful, though. I like that you're asking that question. Would good. you would you feel comfortable if when your sons were younger going to a youth group at church and the youth pastor teaching and saying that it alcohol in moderation is okay. Um, I would have been okay with that. Yeah. Wow. See, that's I, that's a big difference. That's because I'm oh, I'm really? sitting here thinking, oh my gosh, people are gonna be burning down my house because I'm admitting to this, you know, and everything. And and to hear wow. you say, eh, it's no big deal. You know, some people would automatically say, well, you know, hey, underage drinking under twenty one, that's wrong, right? Flat out. What would you think about that? Under, uh, oh, under 21? Under, under 21. Uh, is that wrong? So I think the that legally the law is you can drink at home with your family over the age of 60. Yeah. So 
um, I really want to be careful that I'm not putting a law on people that either scripture doesn't put on them or that the government doesn't put on them. Yeah, the nat- a lot of people don't know this. The national law as far as underage drinking is 21. That's the age. But each state has exceptions to that. And a lot of those states like uh, Washington, Oregon, mm-hmm. Idaho, Wyoming, California, Nevada, Montana, Colorado, there's 37. 37 of our 50 states have different uh, um, exemptions for like family exceptions in 19 different mm-hmm. states. Um, you can alcohols can possess it uh, in their bodies in all uh, in nine states and, and and family members are able to furnish alcohol to, to their to their kids in their home in 31 different states. So there's a whole bunch of different restrictions and exemptions mm-hmm. depending on where you are. Nationally, the legal drinking age is 21. Um, but you, you've, I haven't lived overseas. You have. Mm-hmm. have. What have you noticed living in Dubai and places Gosh. like that as far as underage okay. drinking? So that's a whole really funny story, right? Talk. They have like three different standards. So in the United Arab Emirates, every it's like a county. Every county has different rules. And I don't know if that is. Is it that way here in Tennessee, Ted? I, I don't know about on the county level. But oh, on, the, okay. on the state level, yes. Yeah, every state okay. is different. So this is fascinating. So there, every um, every emirate is like its own country. It's really more like the size of a county, uh, maybe a little bit bigger. But um, And every it depending on which one you're in, there are different rules. And so we were in an area called Lira, and there's a country club there, and um, that's where our church was held. And so we go to church in the country club, and... Um, you know, there was a speakeasy on the back of the country club. And like the prince over the emirate was like, I'm going to allow this for the foreigners who are here. But if you were not a foreigner, if you were Emirati, you weren't allowed to go. Wow. And so it was really weird. Like they had different laws for different people. If a foreigner, very strict laws. You. Um, it was really interesting. So it, just this whole idea is like, it was so good to just like see like other places do not have the freedom we have here. Yeah. Well, here's a statistic that I pulled from 2015 from the Pew Research Center survey. So this is a pretty well-known, very established, uh, well-known, very established. Uh, um, are you getting me there? There we go. Um, survey. More than Got your one- motorcycle going in the background. Ted. Yeah. Is that what it was? <laughs> More than one in seven U.S. adults say drinking alcohol is a sin. More Wait, than, say that again? More than one in seven adults say drinking alcohol is a sin. So six out of seven is the way you'd say that. It's not a sin. No worries at all drinking alcohol. And I believe that's changed over the years from when I oh, was Oh, yeah. What year up. was that? That was, ni- that was 2015. 2015. What? One in seven U.S. adults say drinking alcohol is a sin. So if you whoa, ga- whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, gather seven, of your, seven adults together. Yeah. One of those seven will say, yeah, I think drinking alcohol is a sin. Okay, I'm getting some weird feedback, but then I'm also like totally blown away about what you're saying right now. So who did that survey? That's the Pew Research Center. Nuh-uh. Yeah, one in seven U.S. adults in 2015 said drinking alcohol is a sin. Does that shock you? Why, why does that shock you? Uh, <laughs> um... Okay, weren't koozies invented for beer? Yeah, 
Yeah, they sure And are. aren't they like a thing here in East Tennessee? Oh, all over the South. Yeah. In fact, at, at uh, Riverbend for years, we gave out koozies that had J103 on the side of it. In fact, right. in fact, I had never heard of a koozie until then. Oh, yeah. Well, we I didn't w- even know what a koozie was. We, we would hand those out, I, and people would look at us like, wait a minute, you're J103, the Christian radio station. Why are you giving me that koozie? And we had all of our volunteers and staff trained to say, look, we're not here to judge you. We just want you to know that God loves you in a practical way. Now, put your beer in the koozie so your hand doesn't get cold. You know. That uh, is so funny. Yeah. So, um, wow. I'm really blown away by this statistic. I, I think a lot of people are lying. Um, I would love to know, <laughs> like, and I know Pew Research. I know Pew Research. And yeah. so, I know they're like a reputable company. I'm sure. really shocked by that. Well, let's jump into some scripture here and, and see yeah. what it says here. Uh, it. it so the statement is, it is not a sin to drink alcohol in moderation. That's what everybody, a lot of people you talk to, you talk about alcohol. Oh yeah, as long as you don't get drunk, it's it's not a sin. The Bible describes wine as a gift from God that can make life more enjoyable. In Psalm 104, verse 14, he is making grass grow for the cattle and vegetation for mankind's use to grow from the land and wine that makes man's heart rejoice, oil that makes face shine and bread that sustains the heart of mortal man. And then Ecclesiastes uh, 3.13, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. Ecclesiastes 9.7, go, eat your food with gladness, drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. How do you respond to that? Uh, I think that's great. But my background, you know, again, and I've, I've had pastors that I love and I respect very, very much, um, and they would say, well, the wine that the Bible talks about, or we'll jump into Jesus' wine here in a second, um, you know, when he talks about that, he says, that's not fermented wine. That is just the fruit of the vine. It's grape juice, like we do at the Lord's Supper. You know, now you're a cat. You grew up Catholic, Katie, so you're probably used to the hard stuff at communion. But uh, we had just you know a little grape juice is what we had uh, for the Lord's Supper. Um, the Bible also acknowledges the medicinal value of wine. In First Timothy five twenty three, stop drinking only water. That's what I do mostly, and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illness. Um, Jesus drank wine during his time on earth. In Matthew 26, 29, I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And Luke, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And then what's one of what was Jesus' very first miracle, Katie? I'm making water into wine at a wedding. And at the end of it, you know, and this is where people that I've talked about, they've said, you know, well, it wasn't fermented wine. It was only the, you know, the fruit of the vine. It was only grape juice. But at the end of that miracle, the host said, or the guests were saying, you didn't only save this wine for the end, but this is the best wine, you know, the wine right. that Jesus turned water into wine into. And so in the culture during that time, I read and I've studied and it was definitely fermented. Now, it may not have been as strong as today's standards of fermentation and and all of that and all the variety and things, but um, again, it's just a direct contradiction to what I learned growing mm. up in the church from incredible, loving mm. Sunday school teachers and, and youth pastors and pastors. Wow. So what do you do with that? Does that undermine the authority of the church you grew up in? 
Yeah. See, no, I don't, I don't think so totally because again, I know I know culture changes and things change, and I wonder. Again, not judging whatsoever, but I wonder if I went back to several of those adults that taught me if either A, they were social drinkers, just, you know, kind of undercover, you know, drinking at home and that type stuff, or B, if they've changed through the years, or C, no, they're still staunch, you shouldn't drink, it's, it's wrong. Um, mm-hmm. My parents did. I mean, not not a lot. My dad, I can remember seeing my dad with a beer occasionally, you know, in his hand. Um, I, I, I've had two sips of alcohol my whole life. The first one, I was with my dad and my uncles at a minor league baseball game in Louisville, and they had a beer. And I said, "Oh, let me have some of that, Dad. My dad, went, all right, here. So he gave me a sip. It was the most awful stuff I ever put to my lips. And I'm like, why in the world would anybody want to drink this, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the second one, I was it was in high school, and it was after we had just performed at halftime in the marching band, and I sat down in the stands, and I was thirsty, and one of my friends had a cup, and I thought it was just a soft drink, and, I, and it was definitely, well, it may have been a soft drink, but there was something else in that soft drink, and I, I tasted yeah. it right away. I'm like, oh, that is awful. You know, my friends have always told me, Ted, you just have to acquire a taste for it. And I'm like, nah, it didn't go. You know, if I got to acquire a taste for something, then that means that taste is bad and I've got to lower my standards or whatever. Um, I went to all the parties when I was in high school, um, but I never drank. Uh, it was just my choice. I had more fun being sober, I guess. I've never been drunk to know, but I had more fun there. In fact, some of my friends' parents would be like, they're, they'd say, hey, dad, can I go to the party Friday night after the football game? And they'd say, is Goki going to be there? And you'd say, yeah. Yeah, I know he'll get you home. So yeah, go ahead. You know, and that type thing. And so you know, it, it wasn't that I just totally abstained and stayed in my room. You know, the whole time. But um, hey, now, hey, now. Yeah. So I did. I did. I, I, um, my girlfriends and I from youth group. We used. To, there were like three of us. And our freshman year in high school, you know, we're hearing about parties and stuff. And we're like, we're not going to go do that. We were so tempted. Yeah. And um, so we would just have chugging milk competitions. <laughs> you know, they say it's impossible for you to drink a whole gallon of milk at one time. We didn't try. We, we tried in youth group we different, different fear factor <laughs> exercises and games and icebreakers. We would try that. It's humanly <laughs> impossible to drink a whole gallon of milk. It's just, wow. it's just there's no way. Wow. Um, You're reminding me of Chubby Bunny, which I'm sure is way more fun yeah. than trying a nasty. And of course, there's a whole bunch of uh, stories there of kids choking on the marshmallows and dying. So that game was banned for life or something. You know, I don't know. But anyway, (laughs) the Bible also mentions positive aspects of wine. It condemns over drinking and drunkenness. Uh, So a Christian who chooses to drink alcohol would do so only in moderation. In fact, in first Timothy, it says in the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, Mm -hmm. not indulging in much wine and not pursuing dishonest gain. And then in Titus, let the older men be moderate in habits, serious, sound in mind, healthy in faith, in love and endurance. Likewise, let the older women be fervent in behavior, not slanderous, not enslaved to a lot of wine, teachers of what is good. And so, again, this whole beginning of this sounds like I'm trying to say I was taught that alcohol was a wrong thing. And so now it's not go drink and be merry, you know, (laughs) but that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I'm confused and uh, because my whole life has been, you shouldn't be doing that as a Christian. You should, and even as a teacher, a youth pastor, I had to share that. But now I'm struggling with these feelings of, you know, was I wrong all that time? Mm. Yeah, I think it's good to struggle. I, I think the the nickname for um, God's people, Israel, 
or this is not their nickname. Um, my husband would call me Izzy when we first met because I was just wrestling with God so much. And it was that exact thing of like, wait a minute, I grew up in a church where I thought I was, I, there was, yes, you get salvation from God. You can't do anything to earn it. But then now you're, now you're earning your, um, sanctification, which is not true. That's false as well. Um, so it was, it's been a very interesting journey for me to just be like, okay, so what, (laughs) what do I depend on God? Don't I? And you know, how do I know that I'm getting the fruit out of my life that is supposed to be there? And, you know, I love being 41. I just think it's one of the greatest gifts that God has given me this life. Um, and I've struggled so much to understand him and his ways and his calling and, you know, the authority of the church and the different denominations and all that and world religions. I've looked at all of it and I'm so grateful that I can say that our God is gracious and he does give us guidelines. And, uh, you know, when I think when he says, do not, um, or do whatever you do, do it in my, basically, he doesn't say that. Don't that. That was a misquote. Can yeah. you help me set that one straight? Yeah, I can try to go back and find <laughs> I'm that. I'm not there. saying do whatever uh, you feel like in moderation. <laughs> well, you know, the, the Bible not does saying. give several reasons to avoid over drinking. Now, would you right. say would you say that getting drunk is a sin? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I would too. I would too. And that's where yeah. my stance has been. Even when I was teaching the students in the Baptist church, I would not say what I was thinking that, you know, it's probably okay for you to drink with your parents, or it's okay once you get 21 to drink. But I was—I just had to say, you shouldn't drink, and this is why. And you definitely shouldn't get drunk because, you know, it impairs the thinking ability and judgment. You mentioned that, that for you, you're being a lightweight. I can't imagine how little it would take for me to. In fact, a lot of my friends in high school and college used to say, Ted, if you ever decide to get drunk, call me because I want to see how you behave when you're drunk, you know, because I was just always Mr. Happy-go-lucky, bouncing off the wall, that type thing. Proverbs 23, who has woe, who has sorrow, who has strife, who has complaints, who has needless bruises, who has bloodshot eyes, those who linger over wine, who go to sample bowls of mixed wine, do not gaze at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. Your eyes will see strange sights, and your mind will imagine confusing things. You will be like one sleeping on the high seas, lying on top of the rigging. They hit me, you will say, but I'm not hurt. They beat me, but I don't feel it. When will I wake up so that I can find another drink? Almost sounds like a poem or a, a something here today, a, a poem, you know, it, it, it definitely impairs your ability and your judgment. If you if there wasn't drunkenness, there wouldn't be any drunk driving. Mm. It wouldn't be. I think about all the lives that were lost from that. Think about mm-hmm. if there wasn't drunkenness, how much, how less abuse there would be, uh, mm-hmm. you know, from all those things. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and then the whole thing, again, what is Romans 12, 1 based on? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a what? A living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God. That's your true, proper worship. If you're over drinking, if you're drunk, if you're you know partying too hard, and you could put that to recreational marijuana or whatever you want to say along those lines, are you presenting your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God? Need a bigger vision 
you know, like the, the times when I'm tempted to drink or when I'm to overeat or when I'm tempted to, you know, fill in the blank, it's because my vision of Christ has gotten small. I've forgotten who he is, how big he is, how full he is. And it's usually after a season of being too busy, too stressed. Um, just today I was talking about this, just, um, you know, talking about what is Sabbath and, and what does it really mean mm-hmm. for us that Sabbath was made for us? And um, what does it mean that God says to rest with him? You know, that's probably maybe a whole nother topic, but, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, but when I don't do that, that's when these other temptations become um, more appealing and it's a false appearance. You know, it's not like those are things I would pursue. Otherwise, I don't think anybody's out to, oh, well, maybe people do sit out to overeat. I'm thinking of a pie contest, but, um, <laughs> you know, a pie eating contest or something. But, um, but most of the time, I don't think we sit out to do those things. It's when we're in a compromised situation. So. But, you know, and I'm sure you may have known people, too. Well, I don't know. Maybe you and your, your girlfriend stayed inside the uh, instead of the apartments, but in the apartment instead of date, you know, going out to parties. In the party scene, there are people that go out for the purpose of getting blank faced and getting, you know, I'm going to yeah. get wasted and all that stuff. And, you know, yeah. and even on the on the lake on the weekend, you can see boats, sure. you know, going by and they're just, you know inhibitions are gone and all of that and that's you know something else that over drinking does it it removes the motivation to do what's right um uh, hosea 411 was talking about to prostitution old wine new wine it takes away your understanding mm-hmm. and so too much of that does that you know i think i've mentioned ephesians 5 already do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery instead be filled with the spirit and you know I've, I've never been drunk. I've been around several people that have. And I'm telling you, those inhibitions and definitely the motivation to do it right, what's right, it just, just goes by the wayside. It's gone. Mm-hmm. Yep. What else? I, what other thoughts do you have on alcohol and on teaching? Well, how should, how you, should the church teach? If you were a youth pastor today, if I were a youth pastor mm-hmm. today, how should I teach on alcohol in the church based on God's word? Yeah, I think I would just read the book. <laughs> and then I would say, do we have any reason to believe that this isn't true? Yeah. You know, Socratic method of teaching that it's just, you know, you read something and then you ask questions about, it, think about it, internalize it. I think that's a great way of learning and we don't need a whole lot. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. This would be fascinating to hear from our listeners if they would even like want to hear a teaching on alcohol or a teaching on health or a teaching on these things, because if the church is silent on these things, then culture will speak into that space for sure. Actors will speak into that space. So um, yeah, I think we definitely should be reading those scriptures and talking about it. Our son who's 18. He's like, I'm not even going to drink. Like I've already decided he made a decision. That was not, that was obviously not my influence. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> why? Why do you think he made that decision? Um, he just see. I think he. Well, he's seen it in our family. So, like, we have a family member who went to jail, and he was intoxicated when he committed the crime, and um, that's heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking. Like, that was total, hundred percent avoidable. Yeah. That breaks my heart, and I think the weight of that has 
not been lost on our sons. They feel the weight of that. And um, even as a kid, you know, I was the youngest in my family. And so watching my older siblings, um, I saw what I wanted to be like and what I didn't want to be like. And um, yeah, so I shared, I probably overshared with my kids about those things. That's okay. And and the fact that they are making good decisions and, and, and taking those decisions that you, that foundation that you laid and they're even building on that, you know, that, that, that tells me that you guys are doing a great job. All right. So we've talked about, should you drink? We've talked about, you definitely shouldn't get drunk, but what about in the middle? How much is too much? How would you say that if somebody's asking you a question, Katie, uh, uh, hey, Mrs. Smith, you know, you're one of your son's friends or even when they, what do you think? How, right? much, how much, how much should so, I drink? So let me tell you about the time that I ordered a margarita. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm in a Mexican food restaurant and I'm like, you know what? I, I, this is probably like five years ago and, um, or maybe longer because when she was in if, her thirties at that point, by the way, if we were going to run that into, in, what's that? I said, you were in your thirties at that point. So you're going right. to want you to continue rubbing, rubbing the age part to me. So, you know, 40, what'd you say? 41 <laughs> to 53. Is that what it is? Something like that. So, all right, go ahead. Back to <laughs> oh, the margarita, margarita, yeah, the Mexican so restaurant. Everybody talks about margaritas. Like it's all, like everybody's always talking about margaritas. So anyway, I'm like, I, I'm going to try to be a grown up, whatever that means yeah. and order a margarita as if that makes you a grown up. And, um, so I tried one and I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot even drink this. I seriously like two sips. I'm already. And that meant meant stop. And did I No, I didn't want to stop And I'm like, yeah, let's drink the whole thing. Let's do an experiment. Um, no, that's a bad idea. <laughs> if you're starting to feel it, you know, you're starting to feel it. And that's the thing. Like we can pretend we're not really feeling it, but we are. And so, um, that right there, that's, I feel like that's the Holy spirit, like knocking on our door saying, okay, this is your warning. Don't, don't go beyond this point. It's not good for you. It's not good for the people around you. So, um, yeah. So if you can feel it, it's probably time to back off. You know, when I was younger, when I was in high school, I had a whole lot of a higher tolerance for drunk people than what I do now. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, back then it was like, okay, whatever, you know, it's fun. And I, it, I, I guess because I wasn't a parent then or anything, and and uh, I, I guess I wasn't as mature, but I was still, you know, I'd, I'd take care of my friends and make sure they got home. And, you know, even I'd make money on the way home, though. We They'd all be in the car and they've been overserved and, and everything. And I'd stop every five minutes at every gas station and say, guys, I need some gas money, man. We're about out. You know, give me 10. You know, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but, you know, now these days, it's if I'm around somebody and they're drunk and they're obviously acting that way, I have no patience whatsoever for them. And it's like, I just you're an idiot. You shouldn't have drank that much. You're you've lost control of the way you're behaving and those type of things. You know, if a person has had too much alcohol when they're drinking and it puts him or her or others at risk of harm, then it's wrong. Um, according to the Bible, you know, drunkenness is identified not by a person's passing out. It doesn't talk about that, but by such behaviors being disoriented, by walking unsteadily, by becoming contentious, having slurred speech and all of that. The Bible does talk about that in Job and, and in Psalm and Proverbs and all of those passages. It talks about uh, different things, about the way your eyes will see strange sights, your mind will confuse uh, things, or imagine you'll, you'll have complaints when you normally wouldn't, you'll stagger around like drunk, you know, all of those things. I can definitely say that's wrong. 
And even though you may not be legally drunk, Mm -hmm. if you are still acting that way, then you're not acting the way God has your body created to do. You know, um, even those who avoid getting drunk still become weighed down with heavy drinking Mm -hmm. and experience serious consequences. I know people who alcoholism has ruined their life. I know people whose parents' alcoholism has ruined their life and caused some things there. Um, any, any thoughts? Any thoughts along those yeah. lines? There, I would say, like for anybody who's like struggling with this and feeling alone, I would say two things real quick. That um, I I love that Ted has decided that he's not going to drink. That that's just not going to be a part of his life. And I would say, like, if if you're feeling led in that direction, don't let anybody talk you out of that. Don't let um, what other people think talk you out of that or other people's perceptions. Just no, just be okay with it. It's none of their business, really. And so um, I just want to affirm that. And then the other thing is that if alcohol has become an important part of your life, that's a red flag, too. Um, And if it's one of those things that you're like, I'm looking forward to this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, I can't wait till this weekend. Yeah. So, then I would just like lovingly tell you as like your big sister, your aunt, like that, that that's a red flag, that something is taking the place of the true joy that God wants to give you and to reach out to Ted or to me or to somebody else. And, um, and if getting drunk is like a regular part of your life, if that's a habit, then I'm going to be the one to tell you that's a problem and you need to address it now before it costs lives, yours and others, because you are valuable. Jesus died on the cross for you. He's, and he didn't just do it to cover your sin. He did it because he loved you and he wanted to see the fullness of you come out in this life. And that's not going to happen if you're intoxicated. So yeah, be, be, be the best. I don't, that, that's not what I want to say. No, I, I, I get what you're saying. I think that I think our listeners do too. Hey, listen, if you would like to hear some stories of people who alcohol had a grip on their life and on their soul and on their lives, but the power of God that Katie's talking about was able to come in and free them from that bondage, a great resource for you right now is comeonletsgo.com. If you'll go to comeonletsgo.com, you're going to see video after video after video of all different topics. There's even a place for you through the Big Share app to be able to share your story of what God has done in your life. Check it out. It's comeonletsgo.com. All right, Katie, bottom line here as we wrap things up, I want to share with you and with our listeners why I choose to be abstinent. It's not because I don't like the taste of it, which is probably, you know, again, I never acquired a taste for it. Um, and it, it's not because I, I think it's a big sin. But Romans fourteen twenty one says, it is better not to eat meat or drink or wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. And because I feel like God has placed me, he's given me a position that I speak into the lives of people every day, or I allow God to speak through me, hopefully, into people's lives every single day, I, I worry, I don't worry, but I wanna, I'm conscious about not ever being a stumbling block to people. If there's, and I have friends, I have friends from high school and college who struggle in this area of alcohol. And if they were to see me, if any of my former students ever got to that point where they were struggling with alcohol and they would look to me and they would justify them continuing to drink or continue to, because they saw Ted with a beer in his hand. Yeah, we never saw Ted drunk, but man, we saw him with a wine cooler or, or a mix of whatever. That's why I choose not to drink. I would rather it 
not to be a gray, a black and white. You know, I, I want it black. And white. I don't want it to be a gray area in my life. I don't want people to look at me and say, well, Ted, you know, I did see him that one time with a wine. I wonder if he's, you know, along those lines. And, and that's why. That's why I choose to stay abstinent from, uh, from alcohol and those things. Um, again, if you're a student, and this is what I taught as a youth, and I still hold on to this, hold true to this, if you are under the age of 21, it is illegal for you in the state of Tennessee, in the state of Georgia, to buy, sell, be in possession, drink alcohol in public. Now, if you're at home and your parents have prayed about it and they feel comfortable offering you a glass of wine at Thanksgiving dinner or whenever, that's between them and the Lord. I have no say in that. I have no reason it would be wrong for me to judge you in that case right there. So, um, And if you're a person that cannot control your drinking, as Katie mentioned, please refrain. Matthew 5 is crystal clear on that. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out. Throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. If you cannot control your drinking, if every time you go out and you drink, you get drunk, you do stupid things, you need to give it up. You need to flat out give it up because it's got a control on you. Mm-hmm. All right, Katie. I threw a topic at you. didn't let you prepare at all for it. Did good. What do you think? Anything oh, you gosh, want to wrap well, up with? I mean, you've got me thinking because I was a ministry leader for many years and I am in a position where I'm teaching again, but it's not in a ministry. And I mean, you've got me thinking maybe I shouldn't be drinking. So thanks for think. But again, it's not me telling you, you don't need to drink. You know, it's not me telling you, yeah, it's okay for you to drink. That's between you and God. And mm-hmm. God will give you that peace either way. And, uh, I'm not going to judge you for it one way or the other. It's whatever it got, unless you get drunk now, then I'll be judging you. But uh, (laughs) Katie, thanks a lot, lady. We will talk to you next month and we'll drive through another intersection. Maybe I'll let you pick the topic and catch me off guard next time. Maybe, probably not. But anyway, I may let you do that. So (laughs) anything else you want to share with our listeners before we go? Oh, it's always an honor and a pleasure to be here with you. And I'm so honored by our listeners time. So just thank you. Thanks for listening to The Intersection of Faith and Culture, a PCM podcast.